Hello listeners, welcome back to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. My name is Vry, and with me as always is Dorothy. Hello! And October is a very special time for the podcast, where we do all kinds of more horror movies than usual. <laughs> so we're very excited for this year to kick off with a special guest, uh, Jordan Searles of Bad Romance Pod and lots of other cool things is with us today. Hey! Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. I really love this movie and I own it. So I, I just watched it in my living room and then walked over here. <laughs> nice. Best way to do, honestly. I feel like that has become sort of the earmark of how much you love a movie these days is if you've bothered to get it on physical media so they can't take it away. The paranoia is real and it is constant. Yeah. I love having DVDs and Blu-rays. They look nice. I enjoy them. I got one of um, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me that I have not watched yet. It's a Criterion print, and I'm very excited, so I just haven't even touched it yet. Yeah, we are doing werewolf movies this year, which is a very scary step outside of the comfort zone for what is not officially a vampire podcast, but I feel like it's been pretty clear that we're low-key vampire people. Low-key? Uh, I am low-key a werewolf person, even though I do watch a lot of vampire stuff and love vampire stuff, grew up reading Anne Rice, but I've always really loved werewolves, but there's also been like a sense of frustration because I never feel like werewolf movies get as much into the sex as I want them to, which is kind of why I like The Howling, because it's so much about sex. Yeah, this was a really fascinating one to research because I feel like werewolf movies and vampire movies, it's so weird and dumb that people set those two subgenres against each other because they both do similar things with like fears about sexuality and, and sexual agency and just the execution is different. But I, I spent a lot of time wondering while watching this one and kind of trying to look into it, is The Howling the first horny werewolf movie? It definitely huh. feels like it marked a sea change. Yeah. I mean, I think that we can give it that. I, I can't think of any other ones. So <laughs> for the lack of, I guess, representation. Because, I mean, there are the there's like the hammer stuff. And what were, was there a big werewolf movie before? I guess uh, um, American Werewolf in yeah, London. Same year. Was there Was there anything else like, big before this there was the old universal wolfman movies but those were not horny uh, honestly what it reminds me more of than the old werewolf movies is cat people which is you know about uh, a woman who is terrified that if she has sex she'll turn into uh, a giant panther and kill her lover so it's very much about wait a woman's but which sexual cat anxiety. people are you talking about uh, oh, the original, not the terrible incest remake. Oh, you don't... By, by Paul Cat People Schrader. <laughs> Paul the Canyon Schrader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can Paul see that, Light definitely. Paul Schrader. God, there's never enough time in the day to, to drag Paul Schrader sufficiently. <laughs> I don't even hate the man, Oh, but, not Schrader fans? <laughs> but his filmography is uneven. Actually, I am a huge fan of one of his decidedly lesser works just because it's so freaking weird. 
which is light of day it was designed as a star vehicle for uh, Joan Jett to become a real a real powerhouse in acting and as you can see that worked I have never seen it but now I want to see that that sounds that sounds really interesting um I think it is de- yeah I think you can I find mean, it, it, was, it never had a mm-hmm, no DVD release except in Germany oh okay one of those but Michael J. Fox is there playing her brother who definitely is not her lover okay okay it's, i'm learning new things it's i'm a happy movie about that, that feels like the only way it could possibly make sense is if the, there is an incest subplot that has been barely removed wow it's a trip so i guess honestly maybe somebody should talk to paul schrader like has anybody ever asked paul schrader about being into incest is that a thing that he's into I don't think anybody has had that conversation with him <laughs> that I was able to find. <laughs> so the howling, the only Joe Dante movie right. that I like, I famously wow. do not like him. I don't. And it's weird. Cause it's, cause it's not really anything. I don't know if there's like aesthetic reasons. It's more so that I saw gremlins when I was like, five it scarred me for life and i just couldn't watch any of his other movies like i i've seen gremlins and i think gremlins too but i don't remember i feel like i think the thing is is that my mom noticed that it scared me and she thought it was funny so i ended up watching it a lot when i was a kid which just scarred me even more and then when i watched small soldiers it just felt like gremlins with gi joes and it really freaked me out (laughs) okay see i didn't see gremlins till i was an adult but i did see small soldiers as a small and impressionable child and was deeply upset i I feel like yeah i just find his work to be upsetting Mm -hmm. his early work is upsetting Mm -hmm. too many things that can stab your ankle there was something about the way that the soldiers moved that really unsettled me. Yeah, and it's so... I feel like there is something to his movies that... I, I don't think mean is quite the right word, because that can mean a billion things depending on the context, but it is very almost almost writing that line of, of nihilism, but dressed up in ostensibly being marketed to children, and it's very odd... It's very odd that those are probably his most remembered films. Yeah, and I'm and I don't know how to feel about the burbs. I mean, I don't because what it's trying to do is essentially I feel like a very similar um, kind of like critique of the suburbs that he did with Gremlins, except with no Gremlins. So the burbs doesn't really like. I've seen a lot of his stuff actually. I watched a lot of his movies that are not Gremlins, trying to see how I would feel, which is how I found The Howling. So I was like okay, he made a werewolf movie. Maybe this is the one movie he's made that, like, doesn't either annoy or terrify me. And I was right. (laughs) I really like this movie. Some directors are like that, where there's mostly don't care for that, but then they have the one thing that's really good. I do feel really bad... I, I do feel really bad for this movie coming out the same year as as American Werewolf in London because I'm sure that is why it got absolutely buried. Yeah, because I actually I like this movie better than American Werewolf in London. Uh a lot a lot better. 
I'm I'm just not an American werewolf in London kind of girl. It's it's funny. Um, this movie isn't funny, but <laughs> at all, it is not. It's aggressively American not. American Werewolf in London is the, definitely the one that I saw a lot of times growing up, though. So I I do feel like it it definitely sort of cratered out everybody's awareness. I didn't of see it until I was an adult, so maybe that's yeah. why. I saw it at like the Nighthawk or the IFC or like one of those theaters. Yeah, it's I feel like this movie I will say that I like the effects work in American Werewolf better just because it's got that very wet kind of look that's very Cronenbergian and I'm, you know, a Cronenberg person to the core. But narratively, I found the howling a lot more satisfying. Like it's what I was looking for and not finding with American well, I Werewolf. I also like that the howling is Dipping into one of my favorite late 70s, early 80s anxieties about just weird cults. Just weird hippie cults. Yes. You gotta love it. (laughs) Hell yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it has like a similar energy to to Rosemary's Baby in some respects. Oh yeah, definitely. Here you have a a traumatized uh, woman who is trying to go to the support structures that people have been telling her will work and in fact that has gotten her into even more trouble in her fragile state like that's good shit shame roman plants and this one isn't you know directed by a human monster as far as i know oh yeah no i'm sure that joe dante is a nice guy he seems like a nice dude on twitter at least so that's good yeah um but uh, you Twitter know, an is interesting so weird. thing, the moment that I saw the howling, which should we say what the plot is? I don't know how you usually do things. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's uh, let's take a pause right here, I suppose, and kind of give people the, the gist. Usually we wander in and out of plot points as we go. But for anyone who has not watched the movie beforehand, uh, basically, this is about a woman played by Dee Wallace. You may remember her from us geeking out about how great her performance was on The oh, Frighteners. Um... So good. Let's get our trigger warnings up. Uh, def- this is about a woman dealing with you know, uh, PTSD trauma from uh, from being assaulted at the beginning of the movie. So there's a lot of that and a lot of body horror and a lot of very dubiously consensual sex. And yes. obviously violence, but it's a werewolf yes. movie. You were expecting that. And wow, Dee Wallace is so good in this. I love her oh, so she's much. So good. She's so good. She's she's one of those criminally under uh, unsung horror actors that just amazing. She's right up there with Barbara Crampton. It's why aren't you more famous? Why don't people appreciate you? I do not know who that is. So now I feel bad, and now I am googling Barbara Crampton. But um, the plot of the yeah, the plot of the movie is she is um. She's a reporter. She's a television reporter. And she's on a story. Now, it, it's very interesting to me that, like, there's this guy that's, like, very clearly dangerous. And she's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go meet him in the back of a porn shop. Porn shop. <laughs> I mean, like, right, we, we've like, taken our, so, our like, local so news brave. anchor and <laughs> we put her she's in a so sting brave. operation. This seems like a good plan. Yeah, well, I mean, it is. But then, like, 
Okay, she goes into this this dirty um shop and then she goes to the back where they watch the videos and like my alarms go off immediately because he, the dude behind the counter who like hates women very clearly is not even like looking back there to make sure that she's okay. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, audible screaming is coming through the front of the store. It, it's fine. That happens. That's Tuesday. I mean, they do seem to be, they seem seem to be offering for sale what may or may not be a snuff film. We never find out. It seems like, like, it seems like a video of a woman, like, being raped. Like, it reminded me of, like, the videos they talk about watching in Less Than Zero. Hmm. Yeah. Did yeah, you, yeah, same kind of. Have y'all read Less Than Zero? <laughs> Red no, seen yes. Oh no no no. Oh no no. The movie the movie is not is nowhere near the book because of I think the eighties they were like okay let's turn this nihilistic novel into an anti drug thing. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, trigger warning again for really really disturbing. Uh, you know, rape and violence against children. But there's a video flying around. Uh, one of the threads of Less Than Zero is that there's a video that all of these, like, rich people, these, like, rich, disaffected youths keep on watching at their parties. And it's a video of, like, like a 12-year-old girl getting raped. Like, that's, like, a big motif in Less Than Zero, the book. It's really weird... Well, it's not weird that it's not in the movie because the 80s, I mean, clearly they sanitized it. But that's like a big part of the book. It keeps on coming up and people keep watching it like casually at parties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a thing that he does. Yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah. So the video, it definitely seems like something like that. Like one of those things that one of those disgusting things that people like toss around gross yeah, people this video and, yeah because i mean i kept on looking i like rewound it even trying to figure out how is that girl doing is she having a good time no she's clearly not like i was looking right into the screen like no yeah, it looks it looks illegal it looks like a crime it does it looks like a crime um and so then like so this this dude is like behind d wallace and he's like oh watch it watch it and she's like can i turn around and see you and he's just like wait and it's like after she's like experienced this terrible video then she turns around and then she sees him and what she sees you know of course is not revealed to us Mm -hmm. right she uh they the police managed to find her at the last possible moment and ostensibly shoot this guy who's a serial killer dead and she is kind of left behind to deal with the trauma of this really botched operation and so her therapist who was very helpful says i'm going to send you to this experimental colony in the middle of nowhere it seems on the up and up the Don't worry about it. This is really interesting because we actually saw the guy who runs this colony early in the movie because that's how things work in movies. Um, because he was on TV talking about, you know, repression and how you really have to cut loose and we've got a theme. A lot of uh, reused media footage throughout, like it's definitely a movie that is very interested in not just like Romero style, this is our new werewolf 
you know, the old werewolf is dead, but like having a conversation with cultural images of wolves and werewolves, which I think might be why it ended up being so horny is because there's definitely at least one of the images they use in there from one of their textbooks is on a uh, an academic text I have about, you know, digging into uh, subtext and sexuality and fairy tales. So I'm like, ah, well, that's where some of that came from. Yeah, I really, there's, there is something really fascinating in the film about the way that it's like, it's, you know, it's like a bunch of adults, like trying to, like, kind of like refusing to accept that it might be a werewolf, but also, like, clearly engaging a little bit in the lore. Yeah, it's interesting to me, because it's not doing that thing that I hate zombie movies especially doing where we just pretend that nobody's ever heard of this thing before. I like that this oh, exists yeah. in a there, world where we have lore. There's even a part, um, there is even a part, because Kyle was watching a little bit of it, um, my, my fiance Kyle, he was, uh, he looked on someone's desk and saw a copy of the book Howl. <laughs> yeah, like, that was an amazing background. <laughs> But it's it's really interesting, I think, because, you know, a lot of a lot of horror movies deal with trauma. But it's just interesting that this this is a movie that's like starring a woman who is trying to like deal with her trauma, get herself back together. And we're really brought along for that experience where she's she's really trying to get on good footing in unbeknownst unbeknownst to her. The people around her are not really interested in any of that. <laughs> yeah. And then we see like her husband getting kind of like pulled into it. And it's this idea of this woman like thinking that she's protected and that she's healing and just finding out there's really very few people on her side and having to deal with that. Yeah. It, uh, it's interesting that this is, I kind of missed this phase of werewolf movies because I, I looked it up and this came out, this movie came out two years after uh, Angela Carter's uh, short story, The Company of Wolves, that really big watershed moment where, you know, it's a retelling of Red Riding Hood where in the end, you know, she, she has sex with, with the wolf and it's about embracing fear of sexuality and all of that. And I, I feel like for a minute that's kind of, the werewolf, not just as uh, our bestial inner nature, like in the 40s version of the movies, but specifically about, and not even sexuality as the other or sexual repressant, but fear of our own sexuality. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I love about werewolf stories, you know, and when I was in high school, I used to write a lot of erotica and I also wrote one unfinished that involved a wolf, that involved a girl. And this was before I heard about what Twilight was, but it was like a girl... And, like, she has two choices, and one's a wolf and one's a vampire. But it's also, like, the way that they love her is very, very different. Like, the werewolf is kind of like... He's kind of like he... He's kind of like a greaser kind of person. Like, he rides a motorcycle. He's kind of, like, you know, a little bit, like, pushy and a little, like... Like, has a lot of rage, but also has a lot of heart, too. And whereas, like, the and I had the vampire as a much, like, colder presence. 
And like I so I really appreciate when, you know, there's a wolf story that really thinks that like, okay, what would a wolf be as a lover? Like what kind of like sexual traits would do you associate with a wolf? Mm-hmm. It was definitely I mean, like, ruined for me a little bit, I think, because, <laughs> yeah, thank you for getting there ahead of me, sweetheart. With the Just, what? Um, Laurel, uh, as a high school, I read a lot of Laurel K. Hamilton's uh, erotica novels. She was like a big uh, influential paranormal romance writer, and her take Laura. on werewolves was very, yeah. It, it 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 kind of like it wasn't well done and it kind of turned me off of the subgenre probably unfairly i have been meaning to read a uh, lunatic moon which i think is lesbian werewolves sounds nice oh yeah that does sound nice yeah i've never actually read any werewolf erotica that yeah. i liked which is why i wrote my that's own <laughs> oh that's such a mood <laughs> and even this like it's not like, sex is happening, but I wouldn't call it an erotic film. No, I wouldn't call it that either. I think it's a primal film, which I think is a different thing. Mm. Yeah, because, like, the, the werewolf is always positioned as, like, this this creeping threat, almost. Like, her therapist is in league with the werewolves and sends her literally, you know, into uh, a den of monsters. And then sure, her husband initially seems supportive of the fact that she's having flashbacks and doesn't want her to touch him and then he gets bit by a werewolf and goes off to have sex with Marcia's another bizarre. woman and- oh yeah that was a really interesting thing because i because i really appreciated it first the way that he was really thoughtful about her trauma and then you know he gets bitten by a werewolf and then suddenly he doesn't care it kind of reminded me of um the ending of oz and willow's relationship on buffy where oz just basically like finds another wolf woman and like like just feels like this pull this sexual pull to her that you know ruins his relationship and kind of like sends him into a crisis of like can i control these urges or am i going to let this other side of me take over Right, yeah, yeah, there's so much, like, I feel like a lot of, maybe that's why a lot of werewolf erotica doesn't work, at least for me, is that it gets tied, I think, to that whole alpha male thing of, like, men just have these passionate animal urges and they can't stop themselves. And that can get ugly real fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's more interesting when, because, like, the thing about Twilight that really, because um, I, I did, I read all the books, the thing about Jacob that was really frustrating is that, like, he was the puppy, but never, like, the full man beast and i feel like so for like twilight they just went puppy because i guess that's just the way that they were gonna do it and because edward i mean you know i guess is supposed to be the more powerful one which that juxtaposition is very weird this idea that like anyway i'm not gonna get too much into it but (laughs) there's a whole podcast there opposition where yeah it's like Cause like the, if I were to have adapted Twilight, which they would have been amazing, they would have won all the Oscars. I would have probably leaned into this idea that, you know, 
that there, there there are two sides there's the you know like kind of like your dog you know your dog is going to curl up with you in the bed it's going to play with you with the ball but then the dog sees somebody that he doesn't like or thinks is going to like hurt you and the dog is ready to attack like there are those two sides and i feel like movies in some some of the media does one or the other Honestly, the um, the husband was a little weird for me to watch because he looks all he looks like he just pulled a steal this look on David Soul in season four of Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you've some, watched multiple seasons of Starsky and Hutch. And Hutch? <laughs> oh, you're talking to the world's biggest Starsky and Hutch fan. It's really cute. <laughs> wow. I, okay. I've oh. only seen the movie with Ben Stiller. This is not time for me to dunk on that movie. But <laughs> just assume it's there. Okay. <laughs> but like, someday. Um, yeah, no, uh, like, as somebody who's only watched it with Dorothy, it's really charmingly um, sincere. And like, some of the episodes <sighs> yeah, the are bad. Episodes, it's example. a real mixed bag, but... but Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're real bad. <laughs> There is. But oh, there's there a blackface is. episode. Well, that's yeah, cool. Bad. But one of the weirder things about this that series <laughs> is that depending on the episode, the howling could have happened in it. Uh-huh. Like it's a show that both has very sincere 70s episodes about how gay people are humans and we need to treat them well, and also an episode where Starsky and Hutch go up to their boss's cabin and their va- their nice vacation together is ruined by some Satanists across the lake. It's a very good show. There was also the time the villain was an actual vampire. It's so good. <laughs> like, this could be a Starsky and Hutch episode. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's actually amazing. It's I'm learning so much. <laughs> this, it, it is interesting how, like, you know, that saying that a new decade doesn't really start until you're like a year into it. This feels like a, a, a holdover from the seventies in some ways. Oh yeah. Know, I love it. It kind of takes the best of the seventies and some of the best of like what was to come in the eighties in the sense that there are a lot of movies about like um, women going into the woods, having sexual awakenings, being chased by things, ghost spirits, whatever, you know, not feeling safe with their husbands. There's a lot of that. And it, the howling is kind of like all of those things, but much cleaner and less of that kind of like 70s wandering where we're listening to music and the trees are swirling and, you know, <laughs> we're looking at the water. It's, it's a little <laughs> bit more contained. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like aesthetically a lot of the uh wood sequences i feel like they they sort of i feel like this was probably an influence on the early sequences in mandy oh yeah i can see that totally because it they really feel similar during the sequences when they're just in the woods and you're just seeing these these cabin environments in the pacific northwest and all just peaceful but also isolated and like really trying to juggle that duality you know this is um i watched the the mike nichols movie wolf which is really weird but i was looking into a lot of wolf movies and just like the i was telling probably we have to watch just like the ending of wolf it's like she becomes a wolf at the very end and that's 
literally the last scene of wolf is you can see in michelle pfeiffer's eyes that she's become a wolf and Warwolf. but you don't see her do any wolf shit it's like it's always at the very end and i'm just like can i get one where she becomes a wolf like halfway through so that i can see more of the wolf shit that would be awesome that's also the ending of werewolf <laughs> yes the classic <laughs> iconic beautiful film werewolf yeah, the, I mean the movie is definitely going for it. Uh, speaking of Romero, that same kind of that same kind of moment where like she unmasks her herself, and if we're taking the werewolf as like a sexuality metaphor, and she is immediately shot dead. Like, all right, movie, I respect that. That's dark, but I respect it. Yeah, it is yeah, interesting that, that she. It is interesting that she dies. I mean, in a sense. I feel like it. The, it's trying to release her because she goes through this trauma and then she becomes the thing that caused her the trauma. And it's just, it might be a little bit too much for her to handle and she doesn't want to kill. And then of course you get that button at the end where there's one of the surviving women from that, from that cult area is, you know, she's, she's made it to town and she's ready to kill. So it's, so it's kind of like the juxtaposition between like D Wallace, the noble wolf who realizes that she cannot live among the humans. And then, this other wolf woman who's just like, man, fuck humans. We're just, they're, they're for eating. In her yeah. leather wrap dress. <laughs> oh, she's it's fantastic. And I love that the credits, like the ending credits is just over, like the burger that she ordered. We're just watching the burger on the grill. Fantastic. <laughs> for like a minute and a half. I, I feel like. I feel like that burger is way overdone. She asked for it. She asked know, for rare. a rare burger. It shouldn't be. Yeah, no, I was about to. It shouldn't be on the grill for as long as it is. Like, you can take it off. <laughs> You've like, ruined this woman's food and she will kill you now. <laughs> I'm sorry about it. <laughs> but, oh, man, there's just so much. I love. Um, I love this idea of just this like fearless female newscaster and not in the sense where it's like trying to be like, this is a symbol of like feminism and whatever. She's, she's good at her job. Almost everyone else in the studio is a man. Like there's a sense of some respect to her. And there's also a sense of, Oh, she's a woman. She's emotional. Does she need to be handled? Like the, you can, you can kind of feel both of those um kind of presences in there but the film doesn't like linger on it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and i thought the inclusion of uh of her like colleague terry was really interesting because like normally this kind of movie would be you know alone limit <laughs> right you have there are two women uh there is the good one and the slutty one and I, I feel like this movie, I don't know if it always succeeds, but I think it's trying to complicate that yeah. by, by having this this third researcher character, who I really liked, and it successfully made me sad when she died. Oh, so, yeah, kudos. she was great. I loved her. I didn't, you know, I didn't want her to die. Um, oh, man, speaking of um, death, I love, I love the puppet work in this. Man, I love a good wolf puppet. And this puppet work was fantastic i know it doesn't have the wetness which like actually when i think of an american werewolf in london i think about the wetness whereas like this it's just like these are this is like a dry kind of like rubbery puppet but i love it 
The arm scene was really impressive. I liked that a lot. I think it's held up surprisingly oh, well. Oh, yeah. No, the movie looks amazing. I love practical effects. I'm a practical effects junkie. I love it. Love yes, puppets. You're among your people here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the fur work was really impressive. Yeah. Actually, um, they did a really good job just directionally and getting that fullness. Even if the transformations, the full transformations were maybe slightly less visceral uh, for me, I feel like the finished look deserves definitely some credit because it looks like it holds up better in motion Mm -hmm. than I think a lot of monster movies do. Yeah. You can look at this, you, you can look at this wolf prosthetic for long periods of time and it's only slightly silly, which I feel like for the early 80s is a win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the the media stuff in this movie feels very odd to me because they keep making very grounded references to real things. Um, like, they compare um, the burning of the, um, the weird wolf commune to Guiana. And honestly, that's why I'm a little uncomfortable with the way she dies at the end, because I'm wondering if at the time that would have been read as a reference to the death of Christine Chubbuck. For the listeners at home, and definitely um, only them. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Christine oh was... yes. I, I only vaguely know about that. I haven't watched the entire... I watched part of the film, the one... Not the not the documentary, but the narrative film. But I have not watched it to the end. But oh yeah, that totally lines up in terms of the time period and everything else. That's really interesting. Yeah, because um, so Chubbuck was a journalist who committed suicide on air during a live broadcast. So oh yeah, that uh, in that 1974. Adds- so. So yeah, and the movie, from what I remember, there's, I don't know, I don't know if there's actually, the movie gives a reason, because I haven't watched the whole thing, but the idea was that she was really good at her job, but socially and sexually she had issues. Yeah, that and seems she was also to be being pushed to do stories that, that were more extreme, um... The, yeah. the phrase if it bleeds it leads was one of her uh was among her last words which is a a journalism ter- term for like the extremity of a story is going to get it higher in the docket. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. I didn't even put that together and that like changes so much of my reading of the film. I might like do some research on that later. Yeah. Yeah, that had that's that really puts an entire lens on on the movie as as like a story of journalistic ethics and and what we ask our reporters to do even at the cost to their own well-being mentally and physically damn yeah, and I don't yeah know because like because necessarily- the because when i originally watched the film my main lens was you know like i mean as a person who has like gone through trauma i kind of like related to it in that way and you know the way that she feels about her body her discomfort her dreams her nightmares like a lot of that like i related to and then in the end when she meets you know the person who started it all when she sees him again like 
the look of terror on her face and the tenseness of that scene. So I was kind of all wrapped up in kind of like that reading of the film. Yeah, and it's raw. It's good at that. Yeah, and I think that's similar to my reaction to um, uh, Mysterious Skin, where I know why people are uncomfortable with it, but for me, um, I identify deeply enough in with the characters that that it's almost a comfort for me. Oh, yeah. Mysterious Skin. I watched it for the first time, actually, like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I had never yeah, seen I've it. Had people I... walk out of the room because they didn't they couldn't sit through it, which is a perfectly reasonable reaction, I think. But, you know, that that's a movie that to me sort of um, the way it plays through these themes of uh, of trauma and violation and the effects later on in your life um, that yeah just personally as a yeah. watch experience it does that for me yeah i think if i would have seen it when i was younger mysterious skin would have really upset me but watching it like as a 26 year old i was like wow i get this <laughs> gregor rocky is good oh yeah he is very very good like him a lot i would be interested kind of as we go through this to look into because now I'm on this trend of like, are there more good werewolf movies like this? Uh, about specifically like women focused narratives or, or queer focused narratives. Because I feel like, you know, you mentioned Wolf earlier. and I feel like werewolf movies kind of got co-opted a little bit like that to be about like barely contained masculinity. And it's, it's, it's yeah. like, or cis masculinity specifically. And it's like, oh, well, that's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf is very much about masculinity, which is really annoying. Although it it is interesting watching um, Jack Nicholson, like, feel uh, like basically get into a Literal masculinity contest with James Spader. It's so <laughs> like what? <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. Honestly, my favorite part um, of it but yeah, is when I, James Spader, he's really holding this together. <laughs> when he thinks he's dealing with this. <laughs> and I mean, I'll watch anything with James Spader. Oh yeah, no, he's fantastic. Um I but yeah, it, it's a it's a real shame that uh, Wes Craven's Cursed is not very good. I also watched that because I was watching a bunch of movies about wolves, but I was trying to like so I was picking just like weird choices. I watched that one because um, I watched so I tried with so I watched Cursed. Oh God, Cursed is Cursed is so messy, but Cursed is very much about like female sexuality and you know like. <laughs> trying to harness your power and being and being assertive as a woman like there's a lot of that in cursed and makes me wish that it was a much better movie than it is because christina ricci as a werewolf sounds like a great idea it's just really executed poorly (laughs) i'm actually working on a werewolf movie right now well i'm writing one (laughs) so i really i would really if if I ever finish the script, I would really like to make it because it is about, you know, a female werewolf because I just feel like that entire genre has kind of been over under, not over underdone. And aside from like, I think I remember watching, um, Allison's video on she wolf of London, that really like short lived, um, series, which I found it on YouTube and I was planning on watching it soon, but it's like, aside from that, there's really nothing about like female, like the stuff that 
the films that I mentioned in She-Wolf of London are really all that I can think about when in terms of female werewolves. In the original She-Wolf of London, like the old black and white movie, is not actually a werewolf movie. <laughs> like that's that's the twist of the original She-Wolf of London. It's that you think it's about a werewolf, but it's actually not. <laughs> wow. It was, it was mundane all along, you fools. Oh man, that's such a hard twist to pull off. Yeah. Yeah. And you set the audience yeah, expectations that, that high. It is such a dearth of this type of um, film is interesting to me because in general, like cis men are not taught to be afraid of their sexuality or violence so you would think that there would be more movies like this that really explore people who have actually generally been taught that those are unacceptable i think it's that same thing as like heterosexual vampire movies made you know ever but well especially in the 20th century where it's like you're pretending that this is a thing you're not allowed to do but this is the most socially acceptable thing done all the time yeah oh my god once i had read like you know some of the vampire chronicles books and realized like how much gay shit is in there and how it's like not in the movie made me so (laughs) mad why does Neil Jordan keep picking gay stories and like queer stories and then being deeply afraid of them? What is this compulsion he has? Yeah, too. I would she love to have a conversation with him about it because it's <laughs> it's like remember Anne wrote the script and it was made during her Memnock phase. So oh right, where the I'll sue you if if you say that my characters are queer phase. God, she's a terrible person. It's, but it's, but then, like, Armand in Lestat had a whole fucking thing. Like, she wrote that. It just made Rise week. Uh-huh. Year, uh-huh. possibly. <laughs> my entire week, my year. They're, they're, dec- like, centuries-long unresolved sexual tension is severely underexplored, not frankly. That, not that we ever read fanfic, like, because that would be that, illegal. That, oh, that makes me <laughs> And wrong. Oh, yeah, she does hate fanfic, which is annoying because, like, so much of, like, especially, like, the later Lestat stuff is, like, Lestat fanfic. So, I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> there, I don't know what you're talking about, Jordan. There were only three books and they ended in 1988. <laughs> like, he, like, he becomes a rock star and then he has a whole, like, life after that. Honestly, everything that happens to Lestat is fanfic. He fucks his yep. mom for decades. Like, what is that if not fanfic? And Anne <laughs> read a synopsis of Freud is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because also he fucks his mom who is trans, but she made her, but she made his mom trans on accident by just writing in penis envy. Because these books are these are wow. <laughs> Get real friends though. For reals. Oh yeah. Uh, I will fight literally everyone in the street. All the people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> but 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 what we really need is not another werewolves versus vampires movie. Oh it's, definitely not. Need, what 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 we need is like a film that embraces the 
the the the whole trend that I've seen happen with with friends of ours of like gay dudes are really into werewolves, and I feel like that's not an arm of things that has gotten much much artistic expression outside of like internet venues. Outside of fur affinity, you can say it. Oh, yeah, a gay okay. werewolf movie, dude! That sounds awesome, right? Put it in my face. It'd be so good, and I would also kind of want Jake Gyllenhaal to be in it. I'd watch that. I'd watch that. His eyes are like perfect for playing a werewolf. It's actually a ma- it's it's wrong that he hasn't played one yet. It's not like he has that high of standards for movies. I bet we can get him. Yeah. Let's finance this. <laughs> and that's not a dunk on Jake Gyllenhaal. It's just he has been in wildly different films. He he seems to be unhinged, but I still I, I like that about him. I like that you do, you just don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> he might just like be in Nocturnal Animals, a movie that I refuse to believe is good. People keep on telling me that Nocturnal Animals is good. They did not watch the same movie that I did. <laughs> it's At not least, good. I think I think we all agreed that Bel- Velvet Buzzsaw was bad, right? We all agreed with that. I certainly agree with it loudly enough for everyone. I never even finished it. So, I mean, I assume it's bad. I mean, the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal is like sexually interested in a black woman, of course, felt like fan service directed at me. But otherwise, (laughs) no. (laughs) Oh, he's good in it. But like, oh, yeah. (laughs) But no. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I totally agree. And it sucks because Velvet Buzzsaw looked like it was going to be so interesting and good. And then it. I thought it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it in fact, it hates us specifically, media critics, for daring to exist. So, yes, let's get Jake Gyllenhaal in a werewolf movie instead. And obviously James Spader will be there because everything is queer when James Spader is there. <laughs> James Spader just has unfathomable magnetism he is, with everyone. He is camp personified, and I kind of wow, it's amazing. Uh huh. That he has that kind of presence. Yeah. Uh, there needs to be more werewolf movies. <sighs> and I feel like I, I, it's, I think there's a trend on on our podcast and and on yours as well that we wander a field when maybe the movie is a, a little thin, but that's not the case here. The, like, the howling is good, and you should watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no. so It's so good. You can, And if you live in New York, you can come and watch it at my apartment. You come by my, my apartment, and you're like, I want to watch The Howling. I will definitely let you in. <laughs> it's the secret code. Now you all know. <laughs> I, I have not checked into the seven sequels to see if they are any good. I, I do. I've heard think that I read- they're all bad, which is why I have not watched them. <laughs> Yeah, apparently one of them has marsupial werewolves, another one has Nazi werewolf titties with fur. Yeah. They all sound bad. All right, let's just not, let's just put that over there where that is. (laughs) (laughs) And it can live in its corner. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It It, it is, I mean, it's rentable uh, through various services. It's not streaming anywhere, which kind of bummed me out. 
like uh, on a pre-existing service. I thought for sure Shutter would have it. Yeah, you can rent it on Prime. I, it used to be on Shutter. I don't know why it's not on Shutter anymore. But yeah, um, so yeah, I think Prime is really the only place that you can rent it. I think you can get it off of like iTunes or Apple Music, whatever they're calling it now. But for the most part, yeah, it, it's all like you're gonna shell out five bucks if you want to rent the movie or get the nice arrow dvd you should because it looks amazing on my tv like i felt like i was in the woods okay that well that's definitely a market its favor because the prime version uh is what we watched and it was okay but it's definitely a grainy transfer yeah not very saturated black oh yeah and the colors and stuff like it's like it's so well like it just looks good so you definitely do want to get it on dvd or blu-ray because just like being immersed in the world that it presents to you it's just amazing and it makes me think about how so many horror films that i've watched like you know recently within like the last 10 years just really like lack atmosphere at least a lot of the really popular ones and it's like i want to be in there you know yeah i think the last movie we watched where we really paid attention to how well the visual was coming across on like uh lack of space and darkness was uh, The Devil's Backbone, which is another very atmospheric film. Possibly Mandy, but I was high, so... Oh, yeah, Mandy definitely puts you in there, and I was... Yeah, I saw that at the IFC. That was that was a fun experience. It's a gorgeous film. It's definitely film. one of those movies that if, if you're allowed to get high wherever you are, get high and then watch it, because it's structured for the come up and the come down. Yeah, definitely. Like... As you become more lucid, it gets weirder. Whereas, like, Beyond the Black Rainbow, I feel like, is for, like, just, like, a sustained high. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that, full on. Uh Uh-huh. And nothing that's going to, that even runs the risk of you being paranoid, because then you're going to have a bad time with that movie. Yeah. That movie is, um, it's pretty. (laughs) It, It is very pretty. I think we can all agree to that. It is a series of events. Sure. It is, you know, feature length and things happen in it. So there you go. (laughs) It is a completed film. Whereas I think Mandy's just a phenomenal fantasy film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm still like, as soon as they're available, which they probably already are. Actually, I'm going to check as soon as I'm done on this podcast, look and see if there's a shirt with Cheddar Goblin on it that I can get. Yes. Nice. That is some good stealth merch. Good merch. Much approved. Uh, all right. Did, did either of y'all have any final thoughts on the film besides it good, which it is? Watch everything with D. Wallace. D. Wallace good. Can confirm. All right. Well, Jordan, uh, people have doubtlessly enjoyed you uh, being on our podcast. So where else can they find you and also give you money? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-O-U-R-D-A-Y-E-N. I, that's the same one on Instagram, too. And if you do want to give me money on my Twitter, there's like a PayPal link. And once you figure out my entire name, Jordan Searles, which if you spell it wrong, it will go to another person. <laughs> Oh, uh, shit. 
So, you know, feel free. I'm on Venmo. I'm on PayPal. I am an independent creator. And I'm a freelancer, which means that I get paid late all the time. But, you know, check out my writing. I write for Bitch Media. I write for Thrillist. I've written about horror on Thrillist, which has been fun. Um, I wish other places would let me write about horror. Hint, hint. (laughs) Yes. Oh, the feeling is real. Once you've done all of that, you can always come back here and find more of our podcast uh, by looking up Trash and Treasures on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, if we are on a not on a podcatcher that you listen to, by all means, reach out to us. We want to be accessible to y'all. Uh, you can also email us at trashandtreasures underscore pod. We love to get mail. Or you can find us on social media by going to trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com uh, or you can find us on Twitter at TrashPod. We had a really uh, great outpouring in the last couple months and it's it's nice to interact with y'all. It warms our hearts, uh, for example. Uh, thank you so much to uh, Sen at sentient underscore garden uh, for who... Uh, came out for our pride series of episodes which folks always like and that warms our heart because it takes a lot of extra work uh thank you so much and next time speaking of werewolf movies about women uh we are actually going to do ginger snaps uh, which i have been so meaning good. to watch for forever yes i'm so excited oh there's one that's right. I forgot to put it on. I yeah, um, I totally forgot about Ginger Snaps. Catherine Ginger Isabel Snaps is, is so great. Good. You can skip Ginger Snaps 2. I actually haven't seen Ginger Snaps 3, but I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> All right. Well, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'd love to come back. <laughs> uh, I forgot. Last It's so new. Uh, last time on our anniversary episode, we mentioned that we had finally lost uh, launched a Patreon for our third anniversary Uh Go out and check it uh, out. Throw us a dollar. You know, it costs money to put these things together, pay hosting costs, do the editing. Uh, And if you become a donor, we are going to be putting out monthly extra content. So that's exciting. And you can get all of my drink recipes. Heck yeah. It's a lot of good stuff over there. All right. Well, until next time, take care of yourselves, listeners. Bye. See y'all.